0: Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King.
1: Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay or just go to their website,
0: theticketking.com. Again, that's theticketking.com. Hey, it's JJ. Before we get started, I just want to point out that we recorded this episode early and we did not yet have the information that the Giants were signing Landon Collins to come bolster their weakened secondary. Additionally, wide receivers Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony were ruled out and did not make the trip to London, along with outside linebacker Aziz Ojalari. So, it will be an interesting matchup here as the Giants are a little bit more weakened than we thought they would be when we recorded this.
1: You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk.
0: You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. My co-host is my good friend, Gil Martin. In addition to this show, I host Cheese and Packers, and Gil is the host of Locked On NHL, and he writes for the Packers Post and Cheesehead TV. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for London football. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, no, we're, we're in London this week. It's not Green Bay. Gil, I'm really excited. The Packers are uh, finally getting the chance to go over there. I know that it was not by choice because they didn't want to give up a home game, Um, but you know what? It was time. It was high time for them to make the trip across the pond, go do some outreach to uh, fans who live abroad. I'm looking forward to more international games. We have yet to see, of course, how they're going to, Perform traveling that far uh, because seems like they struggle traveling to California. Even <laughs> so we'll see how <laughs> London goes, but uh, this is going to be a fun experience. Uh, the game is going to kick off at eight thirty for you and me. It's uh, what seven a.m., seven thirty a.m. for uh, the good people of Wisconsin. But Gil, we got to just touch base real quick on where the Packers stand following a grueling win against Bill Belichick and his Patriots. Um, Look, here's the positive through the first four weeks of the season, which I think basically everybody would have, and and you and I both did uh, predict them to drop a game somewhere in the first five games. We said that they were going to be four and one through the first five weeks. Uh, Obviously we've got to see how the giants game goes, but maybe not the game we expected to drop, but getting through that opening gauntlet where you have two division rivals and then you have to take on Tom Brady and you'd have to take on Bill Belichick to escape with only one loss, no matter how they looked, that's still an accomplishment and these early seasons, um, early season wins matter you don't get any points for style.
1: Yeah, look, I I'd rather be playing Uh, a little bit inconsistently and be three and one, then be playing great and be one and three. So at at this point, we knew coming into this season, there would be growing pains for this team, especially on offense uh, with the entirely new receiver core with their two best offensive linemen, both coming back from major knee injuries. So we knew this was sort of going to be a work in progress and to get three wins in four games, even if it's not artistically, Beautiful to watch game in and game out. I'll take it any day.
0: I think that uh, that game against the Patriots was ugly. Uh, A lot of fans were really upset, and I think rightly so. And I think there was a lot of frustration aimed at the defense. Uh, Joe Barry was quick to say that he felt the defense was really good most of the entire day, except for two drives. And. I think if you paint with really broad strokes, maybe that's accurate. But um, those two drives were pretty painful to watch. Uh, Definitely reminiscent of the drive that the Bears had uh, late in the game where David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert did whatever they wanted against us. And the Packers are um, giving up some pretty historically bad uh, numbers on the ground to opposing Offenses. I think it was Bill Huber. Let me pull this up. uh What did he say? He went back and looked at. It. Here we go. Packers run defense on a per carry basis it hasn't been this bad since Lyle Blackburn was the coach. <laughs> and he pointed out Saquon Barkley is number one in the NFL in rushing, is averaging five and a half yards per carry. Definitely a stern test for our rushing defense. Gil, a week ago, I was excited. I was flying high I said man I've been too hard on our defense they learned to tackle they shut down Leonard Fournette and the and the Bucks rushing game they have arrived maybe I need to stop giving them compliments and just uh just be mean to them because when I'm mean to them they make me look silly and I I would rather look silly (laughs) than have to watch them look silly
1: yeah and I think they'd rather uh (laughs) you know they have you look silly than have them look silly look uh It is going to be a challenge. And here's the thing. Uh, We know, regardless of who starts at quarterback for the Giants this Sunday morning, that they are primarily a running team, not a passing team. And the defense, Joe Barry and the defense, are going to have to adjust their expectations and try to take away the run game primarily and basically say to either Daniel Jones or whoever it is that's starting at quarterback as the Giants quarterback situation remains very much up in the air due to injury as of the time we're recording this. If you can beat us with your arm, good luck, go for it. But we're not going to let Saquon Barkley beat us on the ground. That's got to be the approach. You have to take away what the other team does best. And that's something the Packers have to do. Out of the other 31 teams in the league, maybe 27 of them probably have to take away the pass first. But this is one of those other four teams, roughly, where it's stopping the run. And, and and if they don't do that, it's going to be another one of those nail-biting games
0: on Sunday. All right, let's look at our, we'll revisit our score predictions for the Patriots game last week because I think it's important. So I said 24-13, you said 27-10. Final score was 27-24. However, the Packers defense did not allow 24 points. The Packers defense only allowed 17 points, which was you know, if you're looking at 27, 17, that's darn close to what you and I predicted. Um, the Packers offense freaking has to do a better job of protecting the ball. These these silly mistakes, all these fumbles uh, are, are absolutely getting us killed. That pick six was horrific. Um, I mean, look, the (laughs) where's this headline? Here it is. Patriots cornerback calls it, quote, disrespectful when Aaron Rodgers threw at him. That is fourth round rookie Jack Jones for the New England Patriots. There you go. Disrespectful that a rookie is getting thrown at. Listen, um, when you pick off uh, the, the four time MVP, uh, and future Hall of Famer, you get to run your mouth a little bit, but that, that's still a little bit silly. Anyways, the Packers offense has to do a better job of protecting the ball. The defense looked bad in run defense, no question about it. But the box score, you need to adjust for the seven points that the Packers offense just handed to uh, to them. 17 points is more respectful respectable, uh, but, th- but the fact remains that the Packers tried to stop the run and they couldn't do it. And they had to devote all their resources to stopping the run, which left them extremely vulnerable to uh, the play action. And they were lucky that they were facing a quarterback who couldn't really complete passes on play action. But our skilled pass rushers on defense were pretty ineffective for most of the day because they weren't throwing the ball much. They were running it constantly. And so it doesn't matter if you uh, have guys who can get to the quarterback. The quarterback's not the guy who has the ball in his hands. So um, it's going to be absolutely crucial that you have to, as you said, take away what the Giants do best, and that is running the football. Um, Saquon Barkley, been out of the game for a couple years, came back, has not missed a step. The dude is on fire. And a big factor of why he's playing so well is, That offensive line, the uh, New York Giants offensive line is uh, looks way better than it has for years and years and years. And the uh, the number one. Guy to credit there is Andrew Thomas, he is the highest graded player in all of football, and in fact, if you look at the rest of the offensive line, Uh, Evan Neal, rookie, uh, first-round rookie out of Alabama. He is struggling in run blocking. Uh, His pass blocking is about what you'd expect for a rookie. Um, Mark Lewinsky, good run blocker, bad pass blocker. Center, uh, John Feliciano, uh, good-ish pass blocker, struggles in run blocking. Uh, And then left guard, Ben Bredesen, uh, struggles everywhere. But Andrew Thomas, Andrew Thomas and uh, Titan Daniel Bellinger are getting work done and uh, just clearing highways for Saquon Barkley. And then he's doing a lot after after contact as well. So uh, this is going to be a good test for Rashawn Gary going up against Andrew Thomas. Uh, I think he can take him. Uh, but man, Thomas is really, really good.
1: He is. But here's the thing, though, uh, the the Giants. Offensive line, very good at run blocking. No question about that. But they've also allowed 14 sacks in four games. And Daniel Jones is one of the more mobile quarterbacks in the league. So to me, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, those guys should be able to get to the quarterback, but they have to be able to stop the run. The pass rush should get there. I wouldn't be surprised if Kenny Clark has a big day, uh, if Gary and Smith both have a big day, rushing the passer, whoever that's going to be. But if they don't stop Saquon Barkley, this is going to be another close game, and that's the last thing this team wants to see.
0: Yeah, and and Daniel Jones is hurt right now. You mentioned he's extremely mobile. He is one of the most lethal um, well, I'll just say it. he's, he's probably the most lethal white quarterback, uh, with his feet in the NFL, uh, white quarterbacks, not typically known for, uh, being as mobile as he is, but man does not look fun to try and, and track him down. Um, but he's got a he's got an ankle sprain. So if he is out there, the Packers might be catching a bit of a break here in that his mobility should be uh, a lot more limited, maybe making him look a little bit more, uh, like some of the other guys that uh, we're used to going up against, like Tom Brady?
1: Well, let's see. I mean, we don't know if he's going to play at this point. He was a limited participant in practice on Wednesday, said he felt okay, but again, uh, how is he going to react on Friday? How is he going to react uh, on game day? And, you know, he may try to go and not be able to. Do the things he usually does, or they could, you know, give him painkillers
0: before the game and he could be just fine. So
1: we don't but know.
0: And, and backup quarterback Tarod Taylor is in concussion protocol right now. Uh, so you might be looking at practice squad quarterback Davis Webb. And let me just say if that happens and the Packers are gift wrapped two third string quarterbacks uh, in back to back weeks. All I'm saying is they have to come out of this with a win because that's just going to be embarrassing, especially the fact that and look, um, you recall, I was very high on Bailey Zappi uh, coming into last week's game and uh, and even in the draft. But but and he played fine, but he was certainly not the reason that they were competitive. It was the running game. It was they had six. Offensive linemen in the game, Uh, their running backs were doing whatever they wanted against the Packers, run defense, and it was not just a good blocking. Guys were also getting absolutely blown up. I saw Preston Smith get pushed backwards like seven yards by Ramondre Stevenson, of all people, had nothing to do with being blocked. It was just Preston sucking at his job for a play, and unfortunately, that's just happening too much across the whole defense and, and the offense, too, especially if you're looking at the offensive line. There's too many places uh, on the Packers total roster right now where if you want things to get better, I don't think that it's a change in play calling. I think the play calling is fine. I don't think that it's it's, you know, looking for some savior out in free agency or buried on the practice squad. It's the guys that we have on our team, the guys who are supposed to be our superstars have to play better. So guys like Devondre and Preston need to play better. Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari need to, need to play better. And you can point to any number of reasons to make excuses for why guys level of play isn't where it should be. But the fact remains, it's not where it should be. And it's hurting the overall production. And I think that the Packers roster is absolutely talented enough to do what it needs to and be a top contender in the NFC. But we have just too many plays where 10 guys are doing their job and the 11th guy just completely screws up and allows a a horrific mistake, either offensively or defensively, that negates what everybody else did. And that it just happens too often through the first four weeks.
1: It has happened too often. And, you know, here's a scary statistic not to single this guy out because I happen to be a big fan of his Devondre Campbell has already missed more tackles in four games this year than he did all of last season according to PFF. That is a scary thought. Uh, now look, he had by far what was a career year last year. I didn't necessarily expect him to match it, but I was hoping he wouldn't you know fall this f- uh, far where after just four games he's already missed more tackles than he did in 16 or 17 a year ago
0: yeah he's missed six tackles his tackling grade is a meager 47.8 percent, and that was what made him special last year was his tackling uh he's one of the worst run defenders on the team i'm looking at guys who have a worse run defense grade it's uh quay walker eric stokes jonathan garvin that's about it uh rasul douglas rasul douglas has been pretty bad i think he's he's been a liability he, he makes some good plays um and he looked better much better after they put him back out on the boundary in jair's absence but yes um and and, and so you, you like having him there as injury insurance but having him play on the inside as a slot corner uh, so far he seems to really be struggling with that transition and I'm I'm not liking what I'm seeing out of him. I think, if, you know, if you look at the two guys who were kind of the saviors of the defense last year, Devondre and Rasul, so far through the first four games, they have kind of regressed back to who they had been prior to last year, which is something we were concerned about. Um, of the two, I think I have the most faith in Devondre to fi- get things figured out again and – um You know, I've heard heard people make some excuses about that. uh, Some of uh, Devondre's struggles have come from trying to cover for uh, mistakes by Quay Walker. I I, I probably am not a uh, sophisticated enough uh, football analyst to uh, be able to uh, verify whether that claim is true or not. But I have heard it. But the point remains that the tackling is not okay across the board for the Packers, even though they had one good game of it. And we all know that this is what this game comes down to. You have to tackle. Well, you have to stop the run. I will say the Packers largely uh, have done a good job limiting long breakaway runs and, and even really big plays in passing. They've been able to keep the ball in front of him uh, in front of them. They're giving up way too many yards per carry. They're giving up too many first downs, but where you're really going to get gashed is if the giants could find a way to start putting up points quickly, because I don't think the Packers offense can respond in the way that they have in years past. Certainly not. if They continue to keep turning the ball over as quick or as frequently as they do. So if you can, if you can at least keep everything in front of you and stop Saquon from getting any long carries, you know, any really explosive plays make the giants grind down the field and, that is going to be, you know, it's is the is the bend don't break uh, philosophy that we didn't like very much under Mike Pettine, but it is effective if you can, uh, you know, yeah, we're going, to you're going to give up a bunch of first downs marching down the field, but if you can find, uh, you know, one time where you're going to stiffen and uh, force the field goal or force the punt, you you just need as many bites at that apple as possible. So uh, if you're going to give up the first down, okay don't give up the explosive, uh, you know, 15, 20 yard uh, or more run.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's really sort of a a, a way of playing the percentages, saying that if you have to go 12 plays to go 80 yards, you're going to take a penalty. We're going to get a sack. We're going to force you at some point into a second and 12, third and nine. And then we've got you because our pass rush is good enough to come after your quarterback and you're not going to pick up enough yardage to get into the end zone. And we have Aaron Rodgers. So we're going to be able to do the 12 plays, 80 yards more often and more consistently than you can. And I'll tell you this, against average to you know mediocre and bad teams, you're going to win 90% of your games that way. The question is, does it work against teams that are Super Bowl contenders and playoff teams? And the answer so far has been, Eh, not so well
0: yeah I mean it's it's hard to call the Packers a Super Bowl contender right now but I think we can both acknowledge they have the pieces necessary to turn themselves into a Super Bowl contender before the end of this very long regular season so we're this is week five of 18 weeks 17 games there is time for them to get things figured out and again I think that if you get just a couple guys who start playing better, for example, if your tackles can protect Aaron Rodgers long enough to let some of these plays develop where you got a guy like Christian Watson streaking downfield that you could take a shot at him. Um, and, and then I, I guess, do we want to switch over and talk about the Packers offense? Uh, have we covered the, the Packers defense versus the Giants offense long enough?
1: I think we have. Yeah.
0: I mean, clearly, the the name of the game is you have to stop the run, because this passing game is extremely stoppable, and then you probably are not as concerned this week as you typically would be against Dan Jones of him scrambling. So, um, you know, if it if, if you can't uh make them one dimensional, at least they start out only two dimensional instead of three dimensional with that added uh, danger of him scampering. But so I go back to, you know, if we're talking about what the Packers offense can do both this week and going forward, the offensive line has to get Rogers better protection because Rogers was talking this week about how Christian Watson is getting open a lot. And he's not seeing that in game because he doesn't have time for the place to develop and and the times when Christian's getting open it's it's deeper down the field but he he sees it when he goes back and watches the tape after the game there's a couple components here i think Rodgers is playing really well and i think that he's he's uh yes you can point to a few quarters here and there throughout the first 4 weeks where he's struggled but i think overall you know if you look at i think even just the risks that he has taken that are uncharacteristic of him i think it to me it's exemplary of The fact that he is choosing to trust his teammates and not just insisting on just being the Aaron Rodgers show. And, you know, if you're not perfect, I'm going to throw it away and scowl at you. No, he's he is taking shots, uh, throwing the ball at some of these young guys. And we've been burned by it a few times. But I think that that's still the right approach. I would rather get burned a couple of times by choosing to trust these young guys rather than hinder and hamper their ability to develop by icing them out when they're not playing well. I think that this newer version of Aaron Rodgers we're seeing this year, while not statistically as nice as what we've seen in years past, I think it's more into in line with what this 2022 Packers team needs.
1: I think that there's some truth there, but I would not say that he's having a great first four games. I think there were growing pains with these new receivers And I think that was expected. I I think what we're seeing is what we expected from Aaron Rodgers uh, at at this point. And like you said, it's not as statistically dominant as he has been in the past. I didn't think he would be without Devontae Adams and with a very young, for the most part, receiving core. But I, I, I think we're somewhere in the middle. I think like the first half last week against New England was probably the worst half of football I've seen Aaron Rodgers play in, I don't remember how long, Uh, his passer rating was what, 11 point something. I mean, it it was uh, unbelievably bad, but he did pick it up, played very well in the second half, played well in overtime. This is sort of a a feeling out process. And, And the scary thing about it is that Aaron Rodgers is not Playing his A game yet as he makes this adjustment to doing things that he normally would not in the past do. His quarterback rating is still 95.6. So if this is the off Aaron Rodgers or the in transition Aaron Rodgers, that's not terrible.
0: Yeah, looking at what the Giants' defense does really well, they have a pretty dominant defensive line. Their secondary is pretty weak. You can throw on this Giants defense. You can throw, I would almost say, with ease. One of their quarterbacks, Fabian Moreau, has a 77.5 coverage grade. That's about the only thing they have going for them in their entire secondary. Uh, If you look at the linebackers, uh, so uh, Tay Crowder is the number one. And then Jalen Smith, we all know Jalen Smith. Yes. He's only played one game for them so far. Uh, That was last week against Chicago. He played 31 snaps, graded out incredibly well. He had four run stops. That's a negative play for the offense. He was targeted once and gave up the reception, but it was a reception for negative three yards. So that's pretty good. Uh He has he had seven tackles in that game. He also had a uh a pressure and a hurry. He played lights out. He was one of the best players on their defense. Now it was just one game. We got to see he what he can do this week. He's kind of hasn't done that like since 2018 for any team. Um you know, he's, he was pretty bad when he was with us last year. Yes. But looking at, looking over the rest of their defense, their talent is all stacked along the defensive line. Uh, rookie Kayvon Thibodeau playing pretty darn good for a rookie. Uh, I think he certainly causes some problems uh, off the edge. On the other side, Aziz Ojolari um, struggles a bit in run defense, but he is a pretty good pass rusher. If you look at the interior here, you got a big problem. Because Dexter Lawrence has found something within himself he uh is the third highest graded interior defender in the nfl and he is the highest pass rusher among interior defenders with a 90.8 uh pass rush grade and uh he has a fourth fumble two sacks uh eight tackles seven assists Uh, The dude is playing quite well. He has uh, 15 total pressures in four games. That's not half bad. Um, He's going to be a problem. And we know that the Packers need to stick with the run game like they have been doing because your two running backs are two of your best players on offense. But I think this is a week where the passing game has to work. And my key to making that happen is to feature Romeo Dobbs more. I like what Lazard is doing. I like what Cobb is doing. I love what Dobbs is doing. And I'm not really interested in throwing to anybody else not named Aaron Jones outside of those three.
1: <laughs> I, I think the problem with Dobbs is still inconsistency. He yes. he does a lot of things really well. And then there are times where he makes rookie mistakes, which is what we, again, expected. Here Here's the thing when I look at this the New York Giants right now are allowing 141 yards per game on the ground. That is 28th in the league. And if you think about it, they've won three of their four games. So it's not like the other team is running to protect the lead late in the game. The Giants are winning games and they're still getting gashed in the running game. I think Aaron Jones, and A.J. Dillon will have a lot of success against this mediocre run defense for the Giants. And that will set up the play-action passing game and the downfield passing game. And I want to see Aaron Rodgers, after the running game is established, take some deep shots, maybe one or two to Dobbs, maybe one or two to Christian Watson, and and see if you can start hitting on some of those splash plays that they've tried so often, but haven't been able to accomplish with consistency so far this year.
0: All right. We need to take a little segue here. Gil, we have to talk about my fantasy team. Okay. Just last couple of weeks, I, yes, I have, a we lot have. On my fantasy team. Um, so I've got uh, Aaron Jones, Christian Watson, AJ Dillon, and Romeo Dobbs all on my fantasy team. Christian Watson's going to be riding the bench for me this week. No question. But, I really only have room to start two of Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon and Romeo Dobbs. I mean, the, the Newark giants are allowing the fewest fantasy points total to opposing wide receivers. They are best in the league in fantasy alone uh, against opposing wide receivers on the ground. Uh, they are uh, only ranked nineteenth, so mm, middle of the pack, slightly below average. You know, do I start both Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon at, just to make sure that I get whoever has the hot hand, or do I put Romeo Dobbs in the game? I mean, this this is this is really important because I can't afford to lose another game this early in the season. I'm two and two, and it's a very competitive fantasy league. Talk talk me through this, Gil. Aaron talk Jones, AJ Dillon, Romeo Dobbs, pick two.
1: Uh, if I'm picking two, I I would have to go with Dobbs and Jones.
0: All right, those are the guys who are currently in my lineup. It, it, it makes me a little nervous that maybe AJ Dylan is going to get hot for this game, and I'm going to miss out on those points because you're telling me that Dylan and Jones are both going to find so much success on the ground. But it's also hard not to go with Jones, who is just playing. I mean, maybe the best we've certainly the best we've seen him since 2019. Yeah. Uh but you know, it begs the question. Was he better in 2019 or better now? Because he was like the entire offense in 2019. Jones is just absurdly good right now. He's got an 85.1 run grade, 79 grade overall. His receiving grade is down a little bit, but they haven't been throwing the ball to him as much over the last few weeks and just really using him just as a pure running back, which hurts in my PPR league. But yeah, um, I, I digress. He really, he had one bad week against Tampa Bay. What but,
1: is his average yards per rush this year?
0: um it's on this page it's uh let's see that's yards per reception oh, uh hang on uh let's see rushing rushing here we go um yards per attempt six point eight, but I will give some context there in week three against Tampa he had exactly three yards per attempt, so right. the other three weeks he was nine point eight eight point eight and six point nine so six point eight I think is a little bit low and he had a lot of attempts in the Tampa game. He had, uh, 12, well, I guess it was only 12 attempts. Uh, but still, uh, the dude is just on fire right now.
1: Even with that bad game, he's more or less averaging seven yards per run. Mm -hmm. That is an incredible statistic. And it's even more incredible when you consider that opposing defenses know that the Packers are a run-first team right now and, are, and don't have Devontae Adams as the security blanket for Aaron Rodgers. So to me, and, and even if you add in the fact that Elton Jenkins is struggling with his pass blocking at right tackle and that Royce Newman is struggling because that's what he does so far in his NFL career, uh, and, and we know David Bakhtiari isn't back to his full self yet either, Given all those factors, what Aaron Jones has done is more than remarkable. It, it is hard for me to say 2019 was better than this year when I take all the factors into consideration.
0: I have I have another incredible statistic. So you mentioned that he's sitting at basically seven yards per carry. Four and a half yards are coming after contact. He's Amazing sitting at uh, the the highest was against Chicago. He had five point six seven yards per attempt after context. So, you know, I, I have felt like the run blocking has been, uh, pretty good across the board. Um, including from Royce Newman, he had a bad game against, against Chicago, but I think the rest of the year so far, he's been doing a good enough job at right guard that I don't really have any complaints. He's not one of the guys I'm singling out and saying, can you please play better? Cause he's kind of sitting at like, you know, about as good as I would hope from Royce. Um, I think uh, Elton and Bakhtiari and Josh Myers are three guys that I really want to step up along the offensive line because they are playing at a level that you can win games with. But these are, I, I, I think, really elite players who are not playing like elite players. So, uh, but, but the uh, small number of yards that Aaron Jones is getting before contact uh, two and a half yards pr- uh, before contact. That does not speak highly to the run blocking, despite the fact that the grades are okay. Uh, it, you know, the these stats really show that Aaron Jones maybe is uh, much more uh, deserving of credit for the run success, and it might explain too why AJ Dylan is not playing very well. Uh, by AJ Dillon's standards, he does not look like the AJ Dylan of last year. And, you know, I think some of that has to do with the fact that Aaron Jones is he he runs so hard, he really runs away from the tacklers. And AJ Dillon just has a habit of trying to push through four or five guys, which he can do, uh, but it it really does not look as pretty. And and, and I will say that Tampa game, uh, I'm not making any excuses for AJ Dillon just based on the blocking because. A.J. Dillon had himself a horrendous day against Tampa. I don't know if he didn't get enough sleep the night before. I don't know if he had his bell rung or something, but he was he was running the wrong direction on half those plays. Um, but
1: how good was he in overtime on that final drive when it counted against the Patriots?
0: Well, and, and that's what really matters, is what do you do when it is time to nut up or shut up? And, and this is where the Packers have been delivering. So do you think we've given a good enough overview of what this uh, Giants Packers matchup is going to be? I mean, obviously there is the massive unknown of how well are these two teams going to travel? It's also worth noting. uh, What's the guy's name? Eric Wilson. We picked up linebacker, Eric Wilson. He's a former Viking. Uh, Who do we pick him up? I think the saints practice squad is who we just picked him up off of. He's uh, he's uh, here's why I bring him up. He was a Saint last week in London, flew home to America, got picked up by the Packers and is heading right back to London. As far as we know, he is the first player in NFL history to play back to back London games. And he's doing it for two different teams.
1: <laughs> well, that's certainly original. Now, he he he's on the practice squad, so he may not even play, but I would assume he's going to stay.
0: Uh, I don't. know Is he on their practice squad? Because we signed him off of there. He no, he's on our active roster. He's on the active yeah. roster. Okay. Yeah. Got it. I thought he was on the practice squad. squad. Okay. No, you. Ha- if you're signing somebody else's practice squad player, you had to sign him to the active roster. And right. Uh, I do have the announcement here from the Packers. He he is on the active roster. So he's a. We, we should talk about him for a second before we wrap up. Uh, he's a sixth-year player. uh Spent the 2022 off with the Saints. He was waived after training camp, but then he was brought back on the practice squad. Uh, He is a Cincinnati grad. Uh, Mm -hmm. He was an undrafted free agent, originally signed by the Vikings in 2017. He was there through 2020. And then in 2021, he was with the Eagles uh, and the Texans. So he has played in 78 regular season games. He started 27 of those. He did also play four playoff games, started two of those. In that time, he has 267 tackles, 8 sacks, a quarterback hit, 4 interceptions, 9 pass breakups, a forced fumble, and 2 fumble recoveries. And then on special teams, also very fruitful, 27 tackles, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, a blocked punt, and a block extra point. He's going to be wearing, uh, who's the last guy to wear this number? I remember Danny Vitale wore 45 to yeah. Wear forty five for us. I can't. I'm trying to think who's worn it since then. Did we have a kicker who wore forty five during uh, training camp or something? Training camp, yeah, but not in a
1: regular season game.
0: Right. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what he can do. Um, I, I think that, you know, since especially since we don't have Chris Barnes back, um, you know, I, I'm not mad about what Isaiah McDuffie has done for us. I think he's been, uh, maybe even surprisingly good, but I like the extra depth here. Um, having four linebackers back on the roster. Uh, I think that, uh, this is a good pickup and I'm interested, interested to see if he gets any playing time and how soon, because he seems to have a nose for the ball. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, lot of ball hawking, uh, plays and a, a lot of, uh, turnovers that he was involved in. So excited to see what he can do. Um, obviously he has bounced around a bit, um, and, uh, you know, you, you, don't usually see that without it being at least somewhat deserved. Uh, you look at, um, overall how he's played. Um, he's been, he's been okay. Um, has not been, uh, I would, I don't think a, a fantastic player in the league. Um, let's see, looking at, uh, 2021 grades overall were pretty bad. He's, he's always been a good pass rusher. Uh, run defense and tackling is kind of up and down, uh, get some really high highs and really low lows and then consistently average in coverage. So I think about maybe what you would have expected from the guy, uh, his best, uh, year so far was 2019 with Minnesota. Uh, in that, in that year he had, uh, four pressures, two sacks, 42 tackles, uh and then he was pretty decent in coverage as well. So intriguing um pickup. We'll see how long he sticks around. Uh, I think that this this feels like a guy who could turn into something. Uh reminds me a bit of the Rasul Douglas signing. Just a bit. Although well,
1: let's let's hope. And you know, I think the other thing that you said at the beginning of all this, the fact that yeah. he can contribute on special teams. Yeah. More more Bisaccia, getting players on this roster who can help in that facet of the game. And last week, the punt and kick return coverage was a problem.
0: Well, it was, but, you know, a part of that had to do with some of the injuries they have sustained on defense that called for some shuffling of special teams. And, you know, Rudy Ford has been such a huge factor On special teams, so when you had to put him over on defense, it did leave a hole on special teams. So, um, you know, and and that that speaks to the frustration that we had before the season of you don't have enough safeties on this roster. You also don't have enough pass rushers. We're getting nothing from Jonathan Garvin. Um, not getting very much from Kingsley and Agbar yet. I mean, he's a rookie. What do you expect? And those are the only two guys who have even gotten snaps at uh, edge rusher besides Preston and Rashawn. Tipa has not played a single snap on defense all year. Uh, I I don't, I just don't understand what's going on here. You you can't have just two pass rushers. It's time to bring somebody in. We need more rotational help there at, uh, at edge rusher, because we have to spell Rashawn and Preston and give those guys a breather. And we saw last week what happens when you are missing one of your safeties. When Adrian Amos went out with a concussion, and we don't know if he's going to play yet. Uh, I would think he probably doesn't. Let me see here. Looking at the injury report, yeah, he he's still in concussion protocol. Um, and if they're man. flying
1: out on Thursday, he may not be able to fly. They may have to rule him out sooner. We have to see and wait for an update.
0: So it's it's time to get some edge rusher help, just depth. Goody has to go find somebody and it's time to find some safety help Uh, Tariq Carpenter. As much as I like him, dude is playing like absolute garbage.
1: <laughs> Look, the, the problem the is the, the, the problem is these are things we were saying like in June and they and still for haven't fortune. been addressed.
0: Yeah, we, we were saying this during, when we were previewing the draft and saying, well, they need to get some safety help. They need to get some edge rusher help. They did draft Kingsley in the, in the fifth round. And we said, okay, maybe he can be the answer, but it's TBD. Let's wait and see what he does in training camp. But safety, we knew like immediately, as soon as the draft was over, we said, all right, well, they're going to have to bring in a free agent safety. They didn't.
1: We, we still need basically Whitley merciless 2.0 and we need a backup uh, safety. And if we don't get those things, you know it doesn't cost you so much against uh you know rookie third string quarterbacks but it's going to cost you a lot against good teams
0: It's time for us to make our picks for this game so the Giants are or I should say the Packers are 8 point favorites the point total is set at 41 Gil give me your prediction
1: Packers 27 Giants 13
0: 27 13 All right so you are taking The you're taking the under by one point, one point. Yeah, you are picking the Packers to cover. All right. I have a little bit of a different version of this game. Usually our our points are very, very similar. Yes. Not so this week. I am taking the over Packers, 35 Giants, 27. I think that we saw some glimpses this past week. We've seen it for a while of what this Packers offense can be. I think this is the week where they turn it on and really put up a lot of points. And I don't think it's that far fetched. I think all they have to do is stop turning the ball over in crucial situations. Stop fumbling the ball into the end zone. Stop fumbling the ball inside the opposing team's 20 yard line. You know, all these times when you are, they're clearly right about to score. Um, And then they cough the ball up. I think that I think the Packers are really close if they just stop turning the ball over and instead cash in on drives where they clearly are hot and just marching down the field and have no intention of settling for a field goal. You get to this 35 point total kind of with ease. And then just based on how I think that this game is going to go defensively. um, I, I just, I have zero faith right now in the Packers ability to stop the run or even slow it down And I think that if Daniel Jones is out there uh, or even to Taylor, if he clears concussion protocol, I think both of those guys can hit the deep shot off play action a lot better than Bailey Zappi could last week. Despite the fact that the Giants offensive line is not very good, I think that. Unless the Packers really dig deep and unless they work their butts off in practice this week, like they did two weeks ago leading up to the Buccaneers game, which resulted in soft tissue injuries. And this is not the kind of week where they're working hard in, pro- in practice because they're flying over to freaking London. Sorry, not trying to insult London, but I'm just emphasizing that it's a long way away it's long and it's hard trip. to get there. Right. I don't think that this defense is going to be up to snuff. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm taking the over. I am taking Uh, the Packers to cover, um, have an eight point victory here for the Packers, 35 to 27. So we'll see who's closer. Uh, but I I do think the Packers are going to win it, but I think that, I think that the Giants are going to stick around this game again, way longer than we want them to.
1: Yeah, no, that, that is a possibility. You are, you know, the Giants have not scored more than 21 points in any of their first four games. So picking them for 27 with a unhealthy quarterback, and possibly a backup or third-string quarterback is, to me, a little bit of a reach. But we'll see. Maybe your logic holds up.
0: Well, now I'm second-guessing myself.
1: <laughs> I shouldn't have said anything. 35-21, <laughs> 35-24.
0: Hmm. Yeah, 27 suddenly feels too much when you're saying, all right, hang on, hang on. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to chicken out of this a little bit. Thirty-five we'll do that so that's that's still that's still the over so 35 yeah. 21 uh but i will i will say the packers are gonna are gonna still make it um stressful how's that all right that's it's, fair it, it'll, it'll it'll the the box score won't look very close but to people watching the game they're gonna come away with it with a little bit of harper.
1: okay that's fair
0: Already, Uh anything else that you think we need to mention to the good people before we get out of here, Gil?
1: No, I think we're I think we're good and looking forward to uh, the first Packers game overseas during the regular season.
0: Alright, that's gonna do it for us for today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or ask us questions. You can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go!
1: Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com